Welcome to another episode of Inside the Oval presented by Dignity Health. This week, I'm joined by executive producer of 49ers Cal High Sports Report, Robert Bronstein. Robert, thank you for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. To start off, it's kind of a mouthful. What does it mean (laughs) to be the executive producer of the 49ers Cal High Sports Report? Well, it, you know, it's a long story. The next year will be my 30th year doing a high school sports show in the Bay Area. Um, it started off with High School Sports Focus in 1992 on Channel 36, KICU. And, uh, and then I left there in 2002 and started my own production company um, and owned the show, uh, Cal High Sports Bay Area. And then in 2017, the 49ers bought a controlling interest in the show. So now I was a a full-time 49ers employee and uh, working out of the stadium, using their studio, getting to eat in the cafeteria, all that great stuff. So that was a a really nice thing. So in answer to your question, the executive producer now includes... you know, all of the the sales side, the business side, hiring employees, human resources, in addition to producing the actual show. Looking back, did you always want to work in sports or when did that become your preferred career path? You know, my dad um, had a job that he hated. And so he always told me, find a career that you love. You know, the old saying, find a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. So I thought, Geez, I really love sports. I was not a great athlete. In fact, I was not even a mediocre athlete, but I really loved <laughs> um, going to games and uh, watching sports and, and playing, you know, as well as I could. And, uh, and then I, once I graduated from high school, Leland High School in San Jose, I, uh, I went to uh, De Anza College and then Foothill College. And at Foothill, I took a class in television production. And as you know, you know, once you get started in the TV production side, it's so much fun that I thought, geez, if I could have a job where I could do TV production and sports, that would be great. And so then I just kind of went and did what I needed to do to finally get good enough to get a job. Went to San Jose State, got my bachelor's degree, went to University of Missouri, got my master's degree. And then I was finally able to get a a job in a tiny market and and work my way up. Speaking of that, you and correct me if I'm wrong, you received your undergraduate degree in radio, television, and film, and then your master's in journalism. Correct. When you were in school, was that what you wanted to do? You thought, I want to run a sports show? Well, it was, you know, it was kind of ironic because at at San Jose State, um, kind of wanted to be the sportscaster guy on a newscast. So I had set my goal of having a sportscast in my hometown by the time I was 30. And then I went to University of Missouri and my master's project was in local sports coverage where I did some research on local sports coverage and high school sports um, specifically without any kind of idea that I was ever going to do a high school sports show. And uh, so I did a ton of high school sports in Columbia, Missouri while I was getting my master's. And then the first job that I got was in Laredo, Texas, right on the border of Mexico and did a ton of high school sports, of course, in Texas where it's huge. And then when I got to to Channel 36, a friend of mine had started a show in Bakersfield that was all high school sports. And I saw that and I thought, wow, that that I think might be able to work here. And I was able to get it on the air and we, we went off from there. How does high school sports coverage differ between the Bay Area and Texas? And did you have did you decide to bring any coverage ideas from your time in Texas? Um you know, I don't, I, I just think there's more coverage of high school sports in Texas than there is 
in California. I don't think it's much, much different. In Laredo, they didn't have really, you know, the big time Texas athlete, you know, the D1 prospect. Uh, we're right on the border, a big Mexican-American population, you know, people that were really, really nice to me while I was there. And um, so I covered a lot of high school sports there, but the big sports were really, um, you know, baseball and uh, and things like that. Basketball and football were not the huge sports there. They were, they were big, but, you know, whenever they tried to compete against San Antonio or somebody like that, they just get, they would get crushed. So I think in the Bay Area, you have you have little small markets all around the Bay Area. So when you go to, for example, San Ramon, you know, the San Ramon Monta Vista rivalry is as big as any rivalry in Texas. And they'll get big crowds for those games. And it gets that small town atmosphere within the Bay Area. You know, Livermore is like that. There are parts of San Jose like that. Um, you know, Menlo Sacred Heart Prep have a big rivalry. SI Sacred Heart Cathedral, um, Miramonte Campolino. There are rivalries like that all across the Bay Area that bring out the big crowds that you can do it, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to start the show in the first place, because I thought if we could cover enough of an area, a big enough area, um, the show could be successful enough to bring in the the audience and, and, and then the sponsors that we needed to be really successful. And when we started on Channel 36, it was, uh, it was exciting because nobody had ever done an hour-long high school sports show in the Bay Area or even in a major market anywhere in the nation before. And we started it off and it did really well right off the bat. And within a couple of months, it was the highest rated show on the station, which, I mean, it was a tiny station, so the ratings weren't that big. But for that station, it was a big deal. And, uh, and it created quite a buzz um, across the Bay Area when that show first started in 92. For someone who wants a similar position to yours or career track, would you recommend going the postgraduate route? I think, um, you know, I really would. We just, um, a few years ago, we hired Aubrey Tolliver, who got a master's degree in broadcast journalism from Syracuse, which I continually remind her is the second best broadcast journalism program (laughs) behind Missouri. And, uh, And she came to me really well prepared and uh, with with a lot of good skills, I think you can do that with just a bachelor's degree. But it takes um, it takes a special person to to come to us with with great skills um, right out of college with just a bachelor's degree. We tend to hire more people um, that do have some small market um, experience um, so that uh, they they do have those skills. But you can do it with a master's degree. And I I, I knew that I wanted to teach at some point, and I have done some teaching both in high schools and at uh, San Jose State. Um, and that's really fun. And, and the master's degree allows me to do that as well. What are those skills when someone comes to you for a job or even someone who wants to get into journalism or broadcast journalism? What are the skills that you think are so um, important to that position? Number one would be writing. You know, if you're a good writer, you're going to be able to get a job anywhere. So take those English comp classes, um, writing for journalism, writing for broadcast journalism. That's that's the number one key. But on top of that, you know, these days you have to be able to do everything. You're not going to get a job in broadcast journalism if you can't write, edit, produce, report, um, you know, shoot cameras, know the cameras and be able to shoot good video and then be able to put together a really good feature package that you've done one man band. So they, they call it these days, multimedia journalist. So you've got to be able to do all that stuff and be able to put it on social media in a, in a quality way. What is a day in the life of Robert Bronstein like? (laughs) Well, uh, you know, there's no, there's no typical day. 
Um, I'm, I'm, I tell people I'm working. Are you working? Yeah, I'm working. I'm, I work every day. Um, cause on the weekends, you know, this past weekend on Saturday, I shot a game, um, Sacred Heart Prep Menlo, the big Valpo bowl in the afternoon, and then went back to the stadium, edited that, put my voice on it. And then, uh, one of my staff, Adrian finished off the show and sent it out for, uh, to air on Sunday. And then Later that day, I went to um, a football game. Gun High School was playing. I'm doing a story on a Gun High School football player who's also a concert pianist. And um, so I wanted to get some ISO stuff of him playing football. So I went to that game and shot, you know, the first half and then went home. So that was my Saturday. And then Sunday, I posted on Instagram a uh, preview of the show to get people interested in watching and sent out my schedules for, for this week. And then today will be completely different. I'm doing this right now. We have um, a staff meeting at noon. I have a, um, a marketing and sales meeting with some um, interns that are putting together a program for our new show um, at two. And then I'm going to go shoot a baseball game at four. And then I'll come home and edit it from home and put my voice on it from here. So no, no typical day, but all the days are, are busy. And, um, you know, nearly all of them are really, really fun because, you know, my job is going out shooting games and showing teenagers in a really positive way and giving them positive attention. So they love when I go to the games, they love when they see me there, they know they're going to be on the show and they're going to get some really good positive attention out of us. And that is really um, the rewarding part for me. How many games would you say you watch a week? So I, um, I will shoot three or four games a week myself. Um, the show shoots between 17 and 18 games a week, in addition to feature stories and things like that. So I'll, I'll see um, about three a week on average. And then do you go on and watch college and professional sports on top of that? Or have you hit your <laughs> fill once you, you've done your show, your high school sports for the week? Are, are you saying I need to get a life? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not. You know me. <laughs> I am the same way. Yeah. I feel like I just watch sports all week. Yeah, I, I do. Um, you know, obviously, I'm a big 49ers fan. I'm very interested in who they're going to pick in the draft. So I listen to all that stuff. Um, and I do watch other games. You know, I watched the A's win their, win their game yesterday. I'm, I'm an A's fan. The A's support our show. I tend to watch the teams that do support our show, which um, I really I really appreciate. And then college, not as much, but I do follow the athletes that I covered in high school. So I was very interested in the women's national championship game because both uh, Hannah Jump and Haley Jones were on our show a lot, and I got to know them both very well. So I was very excited for both of them to win a national championship this year. Absolutely. That was really funny for me because Haley Jones is spelled the same way as well. <laughs> and I got so many texts from people that were like, are you a basketball player? And I was like, I'm clearly not in college anymore. And the, and the thing about Haley is that she is, just like you, a wonderful person and just somebody that you really, really like to root for. She was very supportive of our show. Of course, she was player of the year several times and came to the banquet every year and was always uh, very nice to us. And uh, so it's it's fun to see her do so well. Speaking of players you've covered, have there been any other standout players that you remember watching? A lot, a lot. And, you know, for, for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, there's the the funny soundbite from Marshawn Lynch that I got when he was in high school. They won the Silver Bowl, and Marshawn was so excited. And I pulled him aside, and he had he'd taken off all his uniform. He was down to just his spandex underwear and uh, bare chested. 
And he said, Robert, this is so great. I'm so excited. And my linemen, oh, my linemen, if I wasn't so broke, I'd take them all to Sizzler. And, I, I, <laughs> and, I'm, you know, and I'm shooting that and I'm trying not to laugh as he's, as he's saying it. But looking back on it, you think, you know, this is the, um, the epitome of the Oakland, inner city Oakland football player, you know, he's from Oakland Tech. Um, very talented. Josh Johnson, his cousin, was the uh, was his teammate on that team. Was the quarterback who's now with the 49ers. and so you look at that and you think, you know, this is this is a kid who in high school thought that taking his lineman to Sizzler was like the greatest thing that could ever happen in your life, you know. And if he wasn't so broke, he'd do that. So it kind of it's kind of symbolic in a way that uh, that that was that important to him. And the other one that, and totally for different reasons that I remember very well and a great athlete uh, was Pat Tillman. And Pat went to my high school, Leland High School, and uh, I covered him in their championship game um, when Leland was playing Milpitas and, uh, and Leland won that game. And Pat gave me the typical humble Pat Tillman soundbite that's been seen many times and was on, you know, ESPN used it on their 3030 of Pat and all that was he said, you know, it wasn't me. It was my teammates. I didn't play so great, but they played so great. And you really should be inter interviewing them instead of me. And that was, you know, typical Pat. And I knew Pat pretty well. Um, and he, when he was at Arizona State, he came, came back. He was at home on break and I was shooting his brother Kevin's um, soccer game. And Pat came up to me and we were just chatting. And he said to me, Robert, you need to keep doing what you're doing. This is really great stuff. So keep going, keep doing what you're doing. So, you know, whenever there's been hard times in my life or with the show and thinking that it's too hard to do, you know, I would remember that, uh, what Pat said. And uh, that really helped keep me going through the years. But it was a very, very sad moment in my life. I, you know, I was just devastated when he, when he was killed in Afghanistan, as so many people were, because I felt like he was one of the great people that I had a chance to know and meet. And to have him gone at such a young age was uh, was really devastating. Yeah, I think he is one of those people that transcends sports. Yeah, absolutely. And his family is like that too. I keep in contact with his brother Rich, and um, you know I know his his family well. I saw his parents at the memorial service and talked with his dad um, for a little bit after that. And um, you know it's just just a tragedy. You 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 wonder what he could have accomplished if he would have lived beyond those years. And I think it would have been absolutely great things. Absolutely. I feel a little remiss about not covering this earlier. For those who don't know, we're going to go back a little bit. Okay. Can you describe what the for the Cal High Sports is? Sure. <laughs> That's probably a good idea. So 49ers Cal High Sports is, a, is an hour-long weekly highlight and feature program um, showing teenagers all around the Bay Area doing positive things. And it's a, it, we don't really even call it a sports show. We call it a family show because it's one of those rare programs where moms and dads and boys and girls sit down and watch on Sunday nights together as a family. And, uh, you know, that used to be the Brady Bunch and the Partridge family back in the day. But now there's not a lot of those um, programs out there where you can sit down and watch a family and everybody enjoy it. And so the, the, the main focus of the show is to get as many teenage athletes shown on TV and their names said in a, in the right way, you know, pronounced correctly on TV every week. And that's what we're trying to do. And I tell my staff, you know, when you're out there, you know, if, if you, if, when you're saying a play, when you're writing your script, say as many names as you can. So in volleyball, 
you say the name of the person who made the bump, the set and the kill so that they can get their names on TV. Because in, in, in the past, it used to be if you got your name in the paper or by some chance you got your picture in the paper, that was that was huge. But newspaper coverage of high school sports has, has been reduced significantly. So that's you know probably not going to happen anymore. So we, we kind of take that role of giving that positive attention to, to teenagers and, and doing that. So in 41 weeks a year, we cover um, a wide variety of sports in three different seasons. We don't just do football. We do a, you know, a lot of sports. And then we make sure that we do girls sports. And uh, we learned very quickly that was, that was very important to do, not just do football, but to do girls water polo and volleyball and field hockey and softball and all that kind of stuff. Um, because, you know, the girls deserve the attention too. Yeah, that's one of the things I really love about Cal High Sports is it does, there is an equity of coverage among men and women's sports and it goes beyond basketball and football and you do cover water polo and volleyball and softball. That obviously takes more time and work and effort, but why is that important to you? You know, I think just to be as inclusive as possible and, and, you know, wonderful relationships that we built. We were talking about Hannah Jump and Haley Jones. We did um, a series two years ago, the season with Pinewood Girls Basketball. And we had done the season with De La Salle football and uh, Andrew Hill football, but we'd never done a girls team. And so we thought that, uh, that that would be compelling. And it turned out to be incredibly compelling because um, Pinewood is a little tiny school. And, um, you know, their basketball team has played at the highest level of Division One girls basketball. So that year, I mean, if, if you have a, I, I produced that myself. So I was out at Pinewood twice a week, shooting a game, doing a feature story and following them all the way to the state title game. And uh, I thought it turned out pretty well. And so I hope people will, you know, go to YouTube and, and check it out if you get a chance. The season with Pinewood girls basketball. And so at the end of the season, they go to the state title game. And they end up losing in the state title game, which is no crime. They're powerhouse Los, you know, Los Angeles schools, and um, and they lost. And I'm in the locker room, and the girls are crying, and they're saying how much they love each other, and and all of that. And I'm here. I am giving away spoiler alert, giving away the ending. But it was a uh, it was a really dynamic series, and and a lot of great moments, and a lot of exciting moments for this girls team to be able to win the NorCal title and go to the state championship, and uh, and it was just as compelling as you know as any hard knocks or any last chance you because uh you know just because it was a girls team it made didn't make it any less compelling it was really uh, i thought very uh, very interesting and it was really um, rewarding for me to cover them you mentioned earlier high school sports in newspapers is kind of dwindling and there aren't a lot of high school sports shows specifically on tv what does I think people are so focused on college professional, the Olympics, but what does watching high school sports and bringing light to kids who are teenagers, what does that bring that other groups don't? So I think high school sports is the last level of pure sports for the joy of sports, where there's not a a real business side of it. I mean, it comes in late in your, you know, late in your high school career, when, if you're a great athlete, that division one scholarship is, you know, there's, there's a business side to that, but I think it's just pure joy of sports. And that uh, has been really great for me to see. I, I covered professional sports 
um, before I covered high school sports as a you know sportscaster on a newscast. And um, the athletes there, um, you know, it's a business, so they're busy and they're they're not always interested in talking to a reporter. But for me. Uh, when I go to a high school game, they are loving me because they know I'm going to put them on TV and it's fantastic. And so um, that, that joy of sports, I think, is, uh, is wonderful. When I first started this in 1992, everybody was telling me the show is never going to succeed because nobody cares about high school sports. And that was the perception. And in the Bay Area, you have a lot of sports. You've got a lot of major league teams. You have a lot of college teams. There's a lot of competition there. But the high school audience is, is a separate audience. Again, it's families. It's not so much a sports audience, it's a family audience. And when you add up the people that go to these games and that are interested in these high school games, you know, we there on any given week, there's 85 high school football games being played in the Bay Area. And there's several hundred to a couple of thousand fans at each one of those games. So that adds up very quickly. So the audience is there. And I think the interest is there. Somebody just had to find a way how to do that and make it work where you could build a big enough audience to make that successful. I think we did that in just covering just a boatload of games every week and showing a lot of faces on TV. And that way you create a buzz throughout the community. And now with the help of social media, you know, we hit up uh, every, when I do that Sunday morning, Instagram post, I tag 20 players on that post. And then those, uh, those players then, you know, resend it out and retweet it and repost it and share it. And, and that adds up very quickly. So I think that perception that nobody cares about high school sports, you know, I think we've proven that wrong. You know, I think we've been doing something right over 30 years of having a show on the air to, to say, yeah, people do care about high school sports and it is important. And a, and a show can be successful if you do it in the right way. With the emergence of social media or just new technology, how have you had to adapt the show over 30 years? Oh my God, so many ways. And you talk about, um, do you use, you know, the stuff you learned in school today? Not on the technology side, because the technology has changed completely from when I got out of uh, college in 1983 to where it is today in uh, whatever year we're in, 2021. And so, you know, when I first started, we were shooting on videotape and editing on videotape machines and crashing that together. And when we first did the Sports Focus show, we were airing live at 11 o'clock on Friday night. So we were shooting all of those games, coming back, crashing them together. I would, I would shoot a game, run back to the station, hand off my tape and my, um, my notes, have somebody else edit it. I would go in the bathroom, put on my makeup, run in the studio and go live at 11 o'clock. And all of the highlights and all of the scripts I was seeing, I was seeing for the first time live at 11 o'clock on the show. Now, did we ever have a perfect show? No, we never did. And we had some what I call nuclear disaster shows where everything went wrong. But nobody really cared because they knew it was live at 11 o'clock. Um, that was part of the, uh, of the uh, highlight of the whole thing, that it was live and that, um, you know, things go wrong, it went wrong. But at least we got our team on the show and nobody had ever seen anything like that. So that was fine. But for me, it was very, you know, I was a young man then, so I could take it. I could never take that. Now my heart wouldn't take it. But um, you can uh, see the difference then when we go from videotape to SD cards and digital and all of that, which was fantastic. And now, you know, we can do things like editing from home and sending the video over, log me in um, and, and all of that. So during the pandemic, sure, it sure helped a lot when we weren't allowed in the stadium at all. So technology changes. I mean, it's been 
absolutely huge in 30 years. When I first started, um, the internet wasn't even really a thing. And so that's, that's how big it's all changed. An hour-long show is a really long time. Yeah. You and Aubrey host the main segments and you also cover your own games, but what goes into creating the entire show? How many people do you need? How many games do you cover? It's a pretty big operation. It is. And, and so, you know, there are normal times and then there are pandemic times and we had to really change for the pandemic. So normally we would have four full-time people and another four or five freelancers to get all those games in. And then everything that the 49ers do to help us out with, you know, with Haley Jones and the internet and with uh, a variety of different people in production and studio help and all that kind of stuff. But, um, with the pandemic, we had to change our entire format of the show. So instead of doing a highlight show, we were doing a feature-based show where we were producing six, five or six minute features every week on different athletes around the Bay Area because no games were being played. So we had to change that completely. And then when the game started a few weeks ago, you know, a little over a month ago now, um, when the game started, then we had to change back. And, and that was a, a difference too. And we had... Um, you know, we were using only three full-time employees during the pandemic to try and save a little bit of money. We had one employee who um, quit before the pandemic, so we saved that money. And you know, and that's the business part of it that I have to that I have to be aware of as well because I want to make sure that the um, my investment, the 49ers investment, is a good one and that we're making money and not losing money. And I've I've never lost money on this show, and I don't didn't want to start because of a little pandemic. So um, so we did that, but normally four full-time people, and we'll get back up to that um, in the fall, four full-time people and another four freelancers to get us through the football season. And then in, in the winter and spring seasons, there's games all throughout the week so we can spread it out a little bit more so we don't need as many freelancers. But everybody does everything. So if you if you shoot, you write, you edit, you you voice the, the highlights, and um, you know that's that all-around person that we need for this show. With the return of sports, have you seen an increased energy or joy to be out there or any differences after having to kind of take a break during this pandemic? Absolutely. Uh, th these players are dying to play games and being back on the, I mean, it's really an emotional thing to see because you're at these games and these, uh, these young people are so excited about being back on the courts and on the fields. And, uh, you know, I was at a Live Oak football game um, a couple of weeks ago and the Live Oak team had just uh, did a long drive and ended up in a touchdown. And on the sidelines, the the offensive linemen are hugging each other and they're saying, I love you, bro. And the other guy's saying, I love you too. And, you know, it's, it's so emotional for them to be back at it. And it's so important, you know, Part of our show is, as I've said repeatedly, is we show teenagers achieving positive goals. And all teenagers want is a little positive attention. And when you're sitting at home, you know, alone and there's, um, you know, school's not going on and, you know, you're not seeing your friends and all that, it's tough. And it was really tough for a lot of teenagers. So to be back on the field and on the courts and being with your teammates, it was really spectacular. And you definitely, definitely see the emotion of these um, young men and women being back uh, playing sports. We talked about memorable players that you've covered. Do you have any memorable stories you've reported? Oh my goodness. You know, just, just so many. And a lot of them are, 
the ones that um, the athletes overcoming adversity to succeed. And we, we, at the end of the year, we do an end of the season awards banquet, which unfortunately we were not able to do last year, where we honor not only our players of the year, but athletes who get scholarships for overcoming adversity in their lives to succeed in school and in sports. And that's how we say it on the show every week. And we have wonderful people that donate those scholarships, sponsors, and people from the community that, that donate those scholarships. And we've given out through the show over $600,000 in scholarships to these kids over the years. And um, I'll, I'll tell you two of them. And um, one of them is a Leland High guy. That's my school again. Nick Murtha, who um, discovered that he had a brain tumor the size of an orange uh, while he was playing a basketball game uh, uh, during the summer before his junior year. And so, and his mom worked at Stanford Hospital, so she took him to Stanford. And a, and a great doctor by the name of Dr. Grant at Stanford did the surgery and removed that tumor. But he, um, he had to go through um, chemo and radiation after that. And it was just horrible what he had to go through as a uh, 16, 17-year-old young man. And um, he ended up... Um, very long story short. And I followed him around throughout this whole process and shot him um, video of him as he went along the way. And uh, he ended up um, beating the beating the cancer. And um, and he is doing well today and is going to college. And in fact, um, did some uh, uh, was an intern and did some freelance shooting for the show this past season and just uh, a great success story and just wonderful. And the other one is. Um, a guy named Lucas Gio Russo. And Lucas, um, when he was a one-year-old, was run over by a car. This car backed over him while he was playing outside with his siblings. And um, not to get too graphic about it, but it took off part of his face and he had it sewn back on. And I'm doing a, a thing with him as part of our scholar athlete um, community service award, volunteer award in the community that Lexus of Stevens Creek sponsors. And um, he's talking about um, the work that he's done in his community and also in, in uh, Mexico because his mom speaks Spanish and they go to Mexico every year and doing volunteer work. And I noticed this little scar across his forehead. And I said, what is that scar? And he said, oh, I was run over by a car when I was a kid. I don't really remember too much about it. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, there's a story there. And so I'm driving to a game and his mom calls me and said, yeah, Lucas said you were interested about his story about being run over a car. I thought I'd give you a call. I, she said, is this a good time? I said, well, yeah, I've got a 50-minute drive to my game. So, yeah, go for it. So she talks about 45 of those minutes and tells me all about him and his story and what he did. And he's still doing great things in the community and recovered from that and was um, playing soccer and kicking for Menlo Atherton High School. And he, too, is is helping out with our show right now and doing some stuff. And he'll be in that call this afternoon in the, in the sales and marketing meeting. So we meet tons of kids like that. And I could tell you hundreds of other stories that we've done on young athletes who have overcome so much in their lives with, you know, parents in prison, with um, overcoming illnesses that they've had, with other tough times in their lives, the kids that are foster children where other people have taken them in, um, you know, and, and, you know, this young man who's a concert pianist who is playing football as a 5'4", 140 pound linebacker for the gun high school football team. That's doing very well this year. So, uh, I mean, I could go on all day, but there's just a, a few examples. How do you pick, like you said, there's <laughs> so many stories out there. There's so many incredible kids who are doing incredible things. How do you pick? You know, we, um, 
it, it, when we get a good story, we'll do it. And there, people were saying, you know, is there enough stories out there of athletes overcoming adversity to do 41 of them a year, every year? And yeah, there are absolutely. Un unfortunately, a lot of these kids go through a lot of adversity. And so we just try and, and pick the, the most compelling stories that we can do. But over the pandemic, we were doing, um, like I said, five or six feature stories a week for probably 22, 23 weeks. So that's, you know, over a hundred stories we did in the first part of this year. And that was really hard because doing stories during a pandemic is, uh, is tough because, you know, you got to find place. I did a story on this girl who's a pentathlete and we're trying to find places where I could show her working out. And we had uh, uh, one athletic director that I know helped us out and gave us his field for a day. And, uh, and we were able to did it, do it, but that was hard, but, uh, but there are enough stories out there and we just try and pick the most compelling stories to do and get them done. People also ask me, how do you choose what games you shoot every week? Because there are a ton of games and we only shoot 17 or 18 games a week. And we're, we're again, trying to be inclusive. So we'll shoot as many games from as many different schools, big and small. I mean, we shot prospect Del Mar, uh, two smaller public schools this past week because it was a, a good game. They were both uh, doing very well. And then as the season goes on, we try and do the key matchups, which are, you know, the first place games, first place against second place, that kind of stuff to, to keep it uh, exciting for our audience. Not to choose favorites, but I'm going to ask you anyway, do you have a favorite sport you like watching? If it comes up that that's on your uh, shoot sheet for the week, you're like, woohoo, water polo. Like, is there one that you really look forward to? I get that question a lot. And the, the answer I always give is, you know, if it's at the beginning or the middle of the season, it's really the the sport that I'm shooting now. So if it's, I'm really excited to get football started. Football is very fun to shoot. We shoot from the sidelines. So you kind of feel like you're part of the team. But after 12, 13 weeks, I'm starting to look forward to basketball and getting into a nice warm gym and, and uh, not running up and down the sidelines as much. So then, uh, you know, basketball is, is my favorite sport. And then, you know, as basketball rolls along, I start getting tired of being inside of a gym and it's getting sunny outside. And then I'm looking forward to baseball and softball and getting outside and getting some sun and, um, and shooting those games. So I think uh, early on, it's the games that I'm shooting. And then later on, it's the sport that's coming up next. Are there any sports you guys don't shoot for the show or because of just the way that the sport is designed or or that you want to bring into the show? Yeah, there there is. And, we, and you do have to decide because you can't shoot everything. And so we've learned, I, I, again, it's the same philosophy. I keep coming back to you want to show as many teenagers as you possibly can in a positive way. So we want to get as many faces on TV as we can in a positive way too. So that means, you know, swimming, you don't see any faces. You do can say some names, but it, you know, that's tougher. Wrestling, it's just two guys going at it and that's, that's tougher. You know, badminton and tennis are one against one. So it's not as, as many faces. So that's kind of how, how we decide which sports we choose. The big team sports with lots of players where you get to see lots of, lots of faces and say lots of names um, are the ones that we do. It was recently announced that Cal High is expanding coverage to Sacramento, which is really exciting. How did that come about? When we, um, you know, it's really something that I've always wanted to do um, is kind of, is, is expand the show in some way. You know, and people ask, you know, this show's doing so well. Why don't you franchise it out or move into other markets? And for me by myself, um, it would have been very difficult to do financially. 
So, you know, my goal was to never have to get a second mortgage on my house to uh, to keep this show going or running. And unfortunately, we've never had to, and we've been profitable every single year. So when I got to the 49ers, then we get to a position where the 49ers are co-owners of the show. And so how then how do we expand? And then you get to um, Moon and Sean and those guys in business development. And, you know, we sit down and we talk about, okay, how do we expand? How can we um, leverage this out? in other markets across the country? Is that through an app? Is it through another show? Is it through a website? How do we do that? And we really did a lot of um, analysis on this in calling other shows or websites or apps in other markets. How are you doing this? Why are you doing this? What works? What doesn't work? And in the end, we decided that the, the move, the first move that made the most sense was Sacramento. And the reasons for that was we decided that we wanted to try and start as many shows in the top 20 television markets as we possibly could. So the first step would be, okay, where do we go first? And so we decided that Sacramento being a 49ers owned market where we could call the show 49ers Sack High Sports and use the Niners logo and marketing um, would make the most sense. And also because the 49ers wanted to show the people in Sacramento that, hey, we care about you too. We know that you are 49er fans and that you are faithful to the 49ers. So we're going to be faithful to you in starting up this show and showing your teenagers in a positive way throughout the Sacramento, the greater Sacramento region, the Sac Joaquin section, which of course includes Stockton, Modesto, Tracy, Roseville, all of those areas. And so that's how it, that's how it came to be. After 30 years reporting in the Bay, as well as going to high school here, you have knowledge of the schools and the rivalries and the players. What goes into researching that information in a new market? So without giving up too too much on how we're going to hire people and who those people are and how that's going to work, we do have people in Sacramento that will be working on the show. So we won't go in there pretending to know or be experts on the Sacramento high school sports scene. But we will have people there that will help us learn and to um, give us that expertise. So Aubrey will Aubrey will be going up there and she's going to move to Sacramento and, um, and head up that show there. But we've got a couple other people that are already um, have already agreed to come on and they're lined up ready to go. And then we'll hire freelancers um, from the Sacramento area that uh, we have some people already that we know that we will be good there that will that will join us. So we will have some good expertise in the Sacramento market to start. And then we'll have Aubrey up there, who is really a fantastic person and a, and a wonderful uh, employee and worker. And so she will be um, running that show up there. She knows our system. We have um, a, a system that works in producing the show. And so she knows that well. And uh, some of the other people up there know it pretty well as well. So we'll, we'll get that going. And I'm very confident that it'll get produced um, with the same quality that our show is being produced here. That's incredibly exciting for her. But for you, you're losing a, a co-anchor. <laughs> what are you going to do? So one of the things is she's going to come down every Wednesday. We, we actually do it. This is a secret. Don't tell anybody. But we, <laughs> we do our studio um, shoot every Wednesday afternoon for the Sunday show. So we're actually doing intros to a lot of these games that haven't even been played yet. So she'll come down from Sacramento on Wednesdays. We'll, we'll both anchor both shows, and we'll do that in studio every, every Wednesday. Wow. That's 
That's exciting. It's a lot of work. You know, it's always a lot of work. And, you know, Haley, what you do is a lot of work too. And, and, but it's, most of it is just really fun stuff. So that's okay. We're not, we're not afraid. um, We're not afraid of the, of the hard work and, uh, you know, it's all well worth it when you see this, the smiles on the kids' faces when you show up to the games. Well, and it goes back all the way to the beginning. One of the first questions we talked about was when your dad said, you have to love what you do. Yeah. So as long as you do that, it doesn't quite feel like work. It really doesn't. And, you know, I'm I'm getting to the point now where people are asking me, when are you going to retire? I'm like, God, do I, do I really look that old that you want me to retire? But, you know, that's a decision that I'll have to make. But, you know, why would you ever retire when you're having so much fun at what you're doing? You know, I don't, uh, I don't see that happening. Final question. What's been your favorite memory as a member of the 49ers organization? Wow. Um, there have been a lot of great memories. I mean, when the team sent us to the Super Bowl, that was pretty fantastic. That was, uh, you know, even though the team didn't win, the, the experience was wonderful. And I'd been to Super Bowls before including the 49ers Super Bowl when they played at Stanford that I covered as a reporter. Because Channel 36 was owned by Ralph Wilson, who used to own the Buffalo Bills. So every time the there was a Super Bowl every year, um, I got to go, I think, three years in a row um, with Channel 36. So that was pretty great, too. But to go with the 49ers as a team, as a 49ers employee, uh, was pretty fantastic. I was very generous of, of Jed and, and the whole organization to do. Um, but other than that, I would have to say when the 49ers, uh, signed their name on that contract, buying 51% of my company to do that, that was one of the great moments in my life. Um, and, and an affirmation of all the work that I had done for the 26 years before that, um, to reach that level and to have a major league franchise say, yeah, we, uh, we want to be a part of this. We believe in what you're doing. That was really exciting. And then to find out later that there were some people in the room that are managers at the 49ers. And when uh, Moon came to them and said, hey, we're thinking about, you know, buying into Robert's show. What do you guys think? You know, I'd learned later that there were several people in that room that really stood up for me and said, yeah, Robert's um, doing a good job and he's a good guy. And and, uh, this would be a good thing for the 49ers. That really meant a lot to me. And a message to really, I think, a life message is that if you're good to people throughout your life, that will certainly come around um, many times over in the long run. So, you know, if you're a young person in, in business, be good to people. Don't ever, don't ever burn a bridge um, ever. There's no reason to do that. And, and uh, it'll pay off in the long run. Absolutely. And I can attest that you are the epitome of that life lesson because it was, it's well-deserved everything that you have worked hard for. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, Robert, so much for coming on the podcast. I know you're really busy, so I truly do appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. Well, it was really fun, Haley, and I really appreciate uh, you doing this. And, uh, you know, we really wanted to get the word out about the Sacramento show. I think in Sacramento, I think it's going to have the same buzz that the old high school sports focus show did 30 years ago, because there's never been anything like this in Sacramento where you've got 17 games being shot every week, 41 weeks a year in all three seasons. And I think they're really going to enjoy it. So I I hope that's the case. 